The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. 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 That was a very nice one. Welcome Thank to you. Beyond episode 499. Uh, we are very close to 500. We're going to go over some of those plans students. Uh, this week, we have a very exciting show. Uh, we're going to go over some games of E3, the final wrap-up of uh, some of our favorite things of the show, and some notable things that weren't there. Uh, we're going to talk about Next Machina, which is a huge game this week from Housemark. Talk a little bit about cross-platform play and whether or not Sony is holding that up. Uh, but yeah, just a bunch of stuff. So uh, first off, my name is Marty Sleva, joined by Brian Altano. Hey, baby. Andrew Goldfarb. I lost my printout of the run of show, and I don't know what's going to happen. How will you follow share, along? What's wrong with, with you? It's, and, I got uh, a piece of paper right here. We'll share. And Zach Ryan. Here I am. Welcome, boys. Uh, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, E3 in a little bit. And first off, if you didn't catch all of our E3 coverage, Stop doing um, Zach, we did so much. Yeah, we did over 40 hours of live coverage from E3, uh, which is a Herculean task Ooh. for all of us involved, you guys included. Yeah. So we I remember that part of the movie Hercules when he did 40 hours. Yeah, so it was... Also, let's give Zach a round of applause for putting the whole show together, because he's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. It was killing that lion. Yeah. Um, it was finding all those Thunderbolts and then yep. 40 hours of live programming. Yeah. It's a t- great f- great film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone can, says so it's the best Disney movie. Obviously, a bunch of folks uh, watched it live, but if folks uh, didn't watch it live, you can watch it on uh, YouTube. Yeah, you can you can find all all three days, uh, all, all five days of our streams just broken out as full days if you have mm-hmm. nine hours to commit to watching that sort of content. But then there's also a lot of VOD stuff um, depending on like what you're looking for. Like Brian and Marty hosted a Far Cry segment that did really well mm-hmm. um, that has a bunch of gameplay in it and mm-hmm. you can find that. Not really easy. Yeah. There's stuff for Spider-Man, Uncharted, you know, the heavy hitters. Ooblets. Sure. And then there's, yeah, and then I was going to say, there's a lot of smaller stuff too, like Battle Chasers Night War. There, we did a cool interview with Tim Schafer for Ooblets. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of fun stuff out there for yeah. uh, E3 coverage. Oh, so. E3 is done, uh, <sighs> but it's God. not forgotten. Now yeah. it's on to Comic-Con. On to Comic-Con and then Gamescom. So, yeah. Yay. Uh, but yeah, talking about actual games, uh, Next Machina. Woo! That is uh, sort of the big Sony release this week. That right. is the newest game from Housemark. Kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, so... Sort of, yeah. Housemark was on uh, our show talking about Matterfall, yeah. right? And uh, then they also just put out Next Machina sort of uh, unceremoniously. Mm-hmm. Like it just sort of dropped. And I kind of wonder, like, how many teams does Housemark working 
have working at any given time because this game has such a fantastic level of polish and yep. it's so much fun to play and there's obviously a lot of time and talent put behind it and now it's just here on your PlayStation 4 and ready to blow I your eyeballs to, up with all that pixels. Yeah, I just want somebody to buy them so badly because it's just like it they... It's so weird that, they, that yeah, they're not it, under their umbrella. I, honestly, like after like Super Stardust and Resogun and now this, it's just like they're so good at what they do but they have to keep the lights on, so they also made, like, the Angry Birds trilogy port for Wii. Yeah. It's, like, such a weird situation to be in. Yeah. Uh, I think they're so incredible, and, and this game is perfect. It, it's, like, honestly, like, it feels, like, so solidly in their wheelhouse. It's, like, exactly what I want them to be doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so how does this, obviously, they you mentioned Stardust, and you mentioned uh, uh, Guns. So how does this sort of mechanically compare to those? I mean, it's very similar. It's a twin-stick shooter in the same way that a lot of those games, you know, mm-hmm. those games are. Um, it's gorgeous and frantic and fast-paced and dangerous yep. <laughs> and yep. uh, i saw brian playing it at his desk uh, earlier today yeah i really dig it i think um uh, i did the interview about matterfall at e3 yeah. which i think some people that's a, have, that's a side scroller sort yeah. of yeah uh-huh. so i think that feels more like a deviation from anything they've done before but this definitely feels more sort of super stardust alienation yeah. with a little bit of resogun you've got the classic mechanic of saving the green human people scientists yeah, they really love guys. those little things they really do <laughs> they love someone has to look out for them yeah. but everything else is a top-down twin stick shooter of, of basic evolution of of Robotron, basically, yeah. or Smash TV, the mm-hmm. games that, you know, were really big in the arcade scene for a very long time and then went away. Uh, and it does that classic housemark thing where something explodes into a billion voxels. Yeah. Yeah. It's very tough. I think the main mechanic here uh, that I'm still getting the hang of is that sort of the dash. dash. Yeah. yeah, which if you played Mr. Shifty recently, yeah. um, kind of feels like that. Uh, I dig it a lot. You're basically, you're fighting waves of enemies. Um, but the cool thing about that is that instead of being like Geometry Wars where you're in this sort of big open play field it's You're small on, yeah. areas you, that those you like tight spaces it's sort of these yeah. like it's, yeah. it's you kind of work your way through so there's five worlds 15 levels a piece and mm-hmm. you work your way through these sort of like top-down dioramas basically where there's uh destructible pieces of the environment that will release uh, additional enemies or like open up like hidden power-ups or mm-hmm. or uh like you know brian mentioned saving the scientists uh some of this there's three to five in each level um, and occasionally they'll be hidden in a box or like behind a yeah. wall or something and so you can destroy a piece of the level and open up another area that you can find another one. Um, so your main objectives like in any given level you want to find those scientists first and that doubles your multiplier um, so you can rack up higher like more points gotcha, each right. time. Yeah. So how do you but, complete a level? Uh, so clear you just clear out all the enemies. Out all the enemies. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so sometimes you'll you'll defeat all the enemies and warp to the next board before you've collected all the power-ups there gotcha. or or saved all the scientists or something and then that kind of in that kind of spurns you to go back and play through it again. Yeah. So I played through uh I played through the whole game on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on the rookie level to kind of get my feet wet. I'm not a twin stick shooter guy. I'm bad at video games to begin with, but I started <laughs> at the easiest setting and immediately picked it back up on normal mode and started working my way through the arcade mode mm-hmm. again. Yeah. The arcade mode is sort of the premier single player experience here, but you can also do like online co-op and stuff nice. like that. It's, it's, it's definitely challenging, yeah. which I really appreciate. Um, I think that like the interesting thing about it is it doesn't feel like to compare it to something like Geometry Wars, which is kind of endless and you get right. into this Zen. Um, I think you have that in smaller doses and then it pulls you out and drops you somewhere else on the map. Um, the diorama thing's really a, a good, very astute because I, I think it, it changes it so much. Like it, it feels almost, it reminds me, I've barely played any of it, but just like the little bit I played for, weirdly reminded me of almost like a fire emblem type thing where it's like you have to, not really, like it's not the grid based or anything, but just in terms of like opening up the play environment and like yeah. that affecting well, what the you design, do. The design is inherently grid based, right? 
right? Yeah. Because you're looking at it top down and you've got a certain number of squares and some of them are blocked off by enemies or some of them are blocked off and by that's, walls. That's and exactly like, yeah. what I mean. Like when you have to like factor in, it's not just about like shooting an enemy. Because I think like Resogun like created obstacles for you, but like essentially it was just like a shooter and it was right. just like taking stuff down. This feels like there's more of a strategy element to it, which yeah. I think mm-hmm. is like really so welcome. Yeah. That was one of the things that I wanted to touch upon is that they, it, this game just adds layers and layers as you get further in. So initially you're trying to rescue the scientists and then you're learning how to balance the power-ups that they throw at you. And then you're learning that you can destroy beacons in, hidden in each level that will award you more points. And then there's other like collectibles that you can find in each yeah. level. And it just stacks on each world. You, you get another element added to it. Um, it's really, really smart the way that it teaches you to play in the fact that it doesn't really. like It mm-hmm. just kind of throws you in and says, hey, you know, have at it. Yeah. Um, but you get power-ups like... Brian was talking about the dash, which kind of weirdly works like um, like the roll in Dark Souls. Like you're invincible yeah. for, spring, oh, for, for the couple of frames, and then so it like, charges back up. Yeah, so yeah. you have the ability to dash underneath a laser or dash past an enemy. And so like one of the things that you can do is if an enemy is attacking one of the scientists, because you have a certain amount of time to rescue each scientist before they get killed by an enemy, you can dash between enemies, grab the scientists, and dash out. Um, and you can you can find power-ups that give you a triple dash. You can find power-ups that give you a shield. One of them is like a dash explosion. That's my favorite. You can just dash into a group of enemies, and it explodes outward uh, and awesome. just kills Which is awesome because it them. turns a defensive move into an offensive move, which completely changes the strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of that is that sort but of... only for one time. Like, yeah, one it's, time. It's a one-time strategy. So you have yeah. to you want to save it for, like, a big group of enemies yeah. or, like, a big boss-type enemy because they the, the enemies do scale. It's not just, like, kind of grunts that you're fighting constantly. And then you have these, like, kind of, like, monster closets yeah. that you want to take out first because they'll just keep spawning enemies. So instead of fighting wave Sort of like those wave, things in Gauntlet, like the pile yeah, of bones where yeah, enemies yeah. keep coming so out. So it uh-huh. gets very micromanagerial in that you're like, but in a fun way, where you're like, I want to take out, I want to save the scientists first, take out the monster closets, then take out the big guys because they're going to go for this other scientist that's over here. So uh, it gets it gets really interesting. Yeah, and if you're terrible at video games like me and you die a lot, you learn how to work your way around the board in a way that makes sense or it, like, it becomes yeah. a way of like, okay, if I do one, two, three scientists first then i can back up and fight these guys here right. and then jump over here and save these two scientists and like, how long are like each level? you said five worlds 15 levels a piece yeah like, are they short like i mean minute? it's sort yeah. of dependent on how proficient you are yeah. at playing the game like you can blow through a, one of the waves of enemies in a level in probably a minute yeah so it, you could you i mean you can play the game top to bottom in 45 minutes yeah. um but you know you get on rookie, you get unlimited continues. On normal, I think you get ninety nine continues. Yeah, which is basically unlimited. Yeah. yeah, I mean your continues deplete on each level of difficulty, sure. and then enemies speed up. So I mean you're looking at like these exponential increases yeah, in difficulty. Yeah, yeah um, so I, I it could take you hours to finish yeah. a run through the whole thing, but mm-hmm. you know for five five worlds, fifteen levels per per world, it's sort of dependent on your skill. I like the idea of playing on like just a, a basic setting and clearing it in forty five minutes. I don't feel like there's a, enough PS four games where you can sit down and like one coin them like you could with arcades yeah. Yeah. you know just like I, I mean i grew up playing arcade games like x-men and the simpsons that you could beat in one sitting or standing yeah. i yeah. guess yeah uh and then just be done with it and there's you don't really see a lot of that there's a lot of games that are like 10 hours long or six hours long or 15 hours long or like a single player game in a call of duty game will be like three hours yeah long. yeah but this is like 45 minutes start to finish which is like really cool because it's the perfect thing like you're like i need a game to play for the next hour yeah exactly. or like you like, said a saturday afternoon like mm-hmm. that's yeah. exactly yeah. what i want it was great because i legitimately I played this game because I wanted to add a tally mark to my games list this year. Like, okay, I, I beat Resog or Resogun. Yeah. <laughs> I beat Congrats. Next Machina. Like I, I played through it top to bottom, even if it's in rookie mode, because I think you and I, we've all kind of talked about how we'll go back and play a game on easy mode just to play through it and experience yeah. it yeah. and kind of get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But as soon as I finished the first, the or the fr- my first run through on rookie, I went back and fired it up on the next difficulty, mm-hmm. and I have all intentions to go back through and try to get you know. But then I talk to people like Mark Medina or or Mitchell Saltzman, who are that's what they do all day every day yeah. is play video games, and they're way better at them than I am. And they're telling me that like the expert level difficulties are so hard that they can't get past the third world. Sure. Like, oh ah, man, maybe I'm cool yeah. with hard mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just strive for yeah. that instead. So. Yeah, I had this. I had this downloaded all weekend, and I could not pull myself away from Persona. Still, yeah, it was like there. It was just My in the man. corner. Every time I would turn it on, I'd be like, I should probably play an hour of this for work. But I was like, you're getting close. You only have close. You have like a palace and a half left in Persona. Yeah, you're probably ten hours away. I'm like, uh, I think I'm seventy five hours in. I've been meaning to jump on that now that. I went since ever since I came back from Japan. I've been like I had, and then we did E3. I had a moment where I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right." I went to Japan and I started getting really like you nostalgic. Would, dude, for it. I feel like even just starting the game and walk through Shibuya and stuff, you would, would be cool. Yeah, you, know, you stayed in Shibuya while yeah. we were there. Right? Yeah, it's, I, it's yeah. I sunk about fifteen to twenty hours into it, and it's one of those games that I keep meaning to go back to. But then there's these other things that just keep sure. popping up. Yeah. Like you got to take the plunge. What's that? Got to take the plunge. I know, I know, and it's it's. I'm legitimately starting to feel guilty that I haven't gone back and finished it because, mm-hmm. like Persona Three and Four, I love and I really liked what I played at Five. It's just more and more games keep, keep getting added to the queue, and as I'm knocking out like shorter games, the ones that are taking like eighty yeah. and hundred hours to complete is like, well, okay, well, I'll get like, back to that eventually. This is the quiet because like next month's July, and then August already starts. Yeah. Fall games coming yep. up. Yeah, yep. yep. July and August are all you've left, and then September. Yep. And then 2018 first quarter is completely packed. So yep. you're ba- just do what you can right now because you're screwed for the next. As of right now, this is the only confirmed game where you could kiss your teacher. Ooh, I don't think you're gonna be able to do that in God of War. Yep. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, you can. Your father's that, technically your teacher. You give him snake, a peck on the cheek. Uh, that, that cool, that <laughs> Thank you for being a cool dad. <laughs> Yes. Thanks, thanks for being a cool dad, God of War. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, let's, let's talk about some of the stuff we missed at E3. Yeah, you want to do that? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so... Are we uh, doing, do quickies? How are we doing? I mean, quickies are just hop around. We don't have to talk about all these, but yeah, we talked about a bunch of games last week, like mm-hmm. uh, God of War and Detroit and Spider-Man, yep. uh, and there's still a handful of uh, other games we haven't touched on True. that I think we all either really loved or found mm-hmm. something interested in. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's start. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Frozen Wilds, which is the Horizon DLC. Yeah. Um, Brian, I know you just absolutely destroyed Horizon when yeah, it came I out. Yeah, I think I put like 55, 60 hours yeah, in it. I feel like you you beat it in like a weekend. Well, it's I, funny because, yeah. yeah, you played it You played it over the course of a three-day weekend and we all got advanced copies and we were all playing Horizon at the same time, like texting each other and <laughs> Brian was like, oh yeah, I beat that. Oh yeah, I beat that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm this far in. Oh yeah, I beat the game. Yeah. It's like, how, dude? I like, think we, it was just one of those weekends I got lucky. My wife was like, you need this and then it was raining or something. It was yeah. just like, the world, the world g- worked together. To help me stay well, inside and do yeah. nothing but play. And we got it like a week early, so you were like, I want to give this game the time of day, especially before Zelda comes yeah. out. Yep. Yeah. And, and you did. You put in. And Sony was very smart to get that game out when they did. Mm-hmm. I think when we look at the end of the year, that'll be the one we're talking about in terms of PlayStation exclu- exclusives. Yeah. I think that's the one to beat this year. Well, especially it makes me all the more excited to get a chance to dive back into that world. Yeah. yeah. Like, you have to imagine got, there's going to be like this game of the year version. Yeah. Or whatever. We got like X amount of copies for The Office and. When we're done with those office copies, we're supposed to bring them back and turn them into our library so other people that didn't get a chance to play them can do mm-hmm. so. And so, like, I gave my copy of Horizon up a week after I finished it. Right. And so it's, like, it's a really exciting thing for me to, like, go back. I haven't played it since I finished it and moved on to Zelda. Yeah. So it'll be really exciting for me to go back and play this DLC, which looks awesome. Yeah, so yeah. I'm wondering, um, have, have they explained like geographically how this works is it a brand new area is it like a a a frozen reskin of a of a previously hot that's area a, that's a good question I don't yeah know. I, I feel like it's also like when is it set is the thing i'm confused about. I, yeah i mean without getting into any story details it could be 
yeah, there's there's a lot of room there to, to wiggle around. Yeah. I I can't finish that sentence without spoiling some stuff. Yeah, which I don't want to do. Nineteen thirty seven. Yeah, great year ah, for that. Seventeen oh five. Great year. Yeah, so that's I mean obviously a lot of those big uh, first party games are twenty eighteen, but this is one of the big things along with Uncharted Lost Legacy that are like the big first party Sony fall things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. well, uh, everybody's golf. Everybody's golf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, now with fishing. Knack two. Uh, GT Sport. GT Sport. Yeah. Do you think that's actually coming out this year? No, no. <laughs> I think golf and knack will. Yeah, yeah I mean, everybody's golf is definitely coming this year. Yeah. Oh, everybody's golf is so good. It's it's amazing. They had such a strong first half of the year. You yeah. know, seriously, like the first the first half of the year was so strong that the second half they can kind of be like, yeah, golf and knack, go to bed. No, that's what I think. <laughs> that's what I think is interesting. Is like, yes, they have golf and <laughs> golf and knack, Stop which are golf and knack. Golf and knack. <laughs> that sounds like a demon yeah. you're trying. Sounds to- like someone just really badly. It's a, it sounds like a bloodborne boss. That's my favorite uh, stand up comedian. Um, <laughs> but no, I. Uh, I think that that everybody's golf and knack serve two very distinct audiences. Mm -hmm. And then you've got these sort of standalone expansions for horizon and uncharted that are kind of the, the flagship like tentpole yep. pieces for Sony's fall, yeah. Yeah. which but, is really smart. But then yeah, it's like the, that's good. the more important thing and in, in what they've been doing a really good job of the last couple of years is Battlefront. And like, like that's the and thing, right? Like third yeah, party exclusive stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Like essentially that's their fall. And like, I, I think a lot of people write that off, but like, you don't need, like, we don't need The Last of Us 2, Death Stranding, and Uncharted to all come out in the same fall. That's such an interesting, that's such an interesting point because Sony is, could be really smart and position all their biggest stuff in winter and spring moving forward and then let all that fall stuff carry them through. I mean, those yeah, tend like, to be their windows. Like, yeah. I mean, like, say what you will about delaying games, but I think, like, February was a really smart launch for Horizon. And yeah. then they had that really smart May window when, like, Last of Us came out. Yeah. And, like, yeah. like, well, they did Uncharted, Uncharted in, in yeah. May as well. Exactly. Oh, yeah. like, I feel like they're really yeah. good about... Honestly, like putting those things like when they say early 2018 mm-hmm. for God of War, like that May window is kind of what I picture mm-hmm. where like get it out in the first half of the year when it's a little quieter. And then, you know, if Spider-Man's in the fall. Great. Well, yeah. I feel like t- I always say this, but it's like Sony's throwing a party and they're like, there'll, there'll be booze and chips and salsa, but everybody bring a dish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Like they're like, we're not cooking a lot, but like this is a potluck situation here. Well, it also, it also opens them up to do stuff like this where it's like, OK, so on, let's say God of War comes out in april or may right then they can double dip in november and be like also here's a six hour god of war expansion yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? but and it also like after the exclusive destiny content call of duty and battlefront then q1 starts and you get a bunch of exclusive red dead like i mean yeah. it's like and far cry yeah exactly yeah. like I, I think they're really the those deals seem a little random and i think everybody like hears playstation exclusive content and doesn't really think about it but like that adds up and i, I think like it, yeah. that's a good compelling reason to buy a ps4 this fall. i still do think and i predicted this for e3 and was completely wrong because i didn't mention anything about it but i do think that by the <laughs> end of the year they're going to mention uh a price drop ag- across all of their all of their platforms you think I, so? you think yeah so? I, I see that happening you think I, you think the ps4 pro drops what 350 yeah, yeah i think it'll it'll go down 50 yeah, bucks I mean, maybe with a back end especially before the one x comes out because yeah. i feel like that they want to create even a bigger gulf between mm-hmm. what the price of everybody's golf. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say the same joke. Everybody's golf. <laughs> Everybody's golf. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I mean, I don't really see them shaking their boots over the the X One X, but we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, shaking I, their boots on the ground. Why does I, everyone invite me to the show? I, I don't know. You have squatters rights. So you've been here long enough. You're charming, and we love you. <laughs> That's true too. Don't stop putting your fucking hand. Let's all do a handshake. <laughs> great, great job. Uh, can we talk about Beyond Good and Evil? Because yes. you saw that BCD thing that they yeah. released These online. Are so sweaty. <laughs> uh, yours are great, by the way. We, are we we got paired off really well today. You guys. Uh, I so uh, when you see a game or hear about a game for the first time at E3, it's always like 
this is this is de- happening for sure. We don't know when. Uh, this is happening for sure. We do know when. This is a, f- a logo. <laughs> yeah. And this is a dream. Yeah. And I think that's what this was. Beyond Good and Evil 2, I mean, it's rare to see something this early that doesn't even really exist. Like, yeah. this was basically just somebody being like, I have an idea. <laughs> so it's it's this funny thing. I, I've been reading, uh, shout out to a friend of the show, Jason Schreier, has a book coming out called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. And uh, I, I won't say too much about it, but there, there's a, a brief part of it where he comes talks out this about, fall. Comes out this fall. Uh, he talks about that period that I think it was E3 2012 where we saw Watch Dogs and Star Wars 1313. Yeah. And PS4 and Xbox One hadn't been announced yet, but it was very obvious those were next-gen games. And they right. couldn't say it, but it was like, I don't think anyone really thought the definitive versions of those would be on 360 and PS3, Mm-mm. even if they did like that weird cross-gen yeah. version thing. For me, you've said it a bunch with Death Stranding and now Beyond Good and Evil 2. Like, these this are is beginning PS5 to feel games. like, exactly, like these games probably aren't coming yeah, to like 2020. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we got that quote from I'm I'm forgetting his name, but the guy making the two brother breakout. Oh, Joseph Ferris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how he was basically he said that basically the the PS PS4 is like working on a five year old PC at yep. this point, and like it's it crazy. It's crazy, right? Because there was a time when this is the hottest thing in the world, and you stop to think, and you're like, oh yeah, if you're a dev, like this is a pretty old thing. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't even a next gen PC when it launched. Yep. Right. Um, and then you're, you're seeing these iterative steps with PS4 and X, X1X, but uh, Sean Layden said, like, there will be a PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just going to be, like, the sort of iPhone business model where we'll get a new one every year or so. Uh, so I'm interested to see where that goes, but I think for Beyond Good and Evil, like, I don't think that'll work on the base PS4. Yeah, I mean, it's also, like... I mean, it is... Watching that tech demo, it is extremely ambitious. Yeah. 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 Like, watching his full tech demo that was released, what, like, a week after E3? Yeah. yeah just and that's the BCD ago. that you saw, right? Yeah. yeah. But, like, the thing I saw was also a little more... They showed me that footage, but they also had this, like, giant wall of concept art, and there was, like, 100 pieces, and they're like, we want to focus on three of them. And one was uh, a pig man eating a bowl of noodles in, like, a rundown noodle shop. And then one was the shot of the city with the giant sort of Ganesh statue. And that's the thing that's in the tech demo. And then there's another shot of space and a bunch of spaceships. And the whole thing was, he said, we want you to be able to go from a noodle shop, leave the city, fly into space, go to another planet, land on that planet, and go to another noodle shop. Just We want you to be able to do that seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like... Oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I'm like this is this reminds me a lot of No Man's Sky, except that it seems like they're not they're not relying on like they don't want to populate the world by math. They want to populate the world by hand, which to me is almost scarier. Well, especially when you're considering that they're talking about all the randomly generated content that's happening yeah. in the game, right. like yep. they're, you know, like all the crew members that you recruit, yeah, all, you know, so. and stuff of like there is a slave ship and you can free the slaves and one of them become a party member that you have hanging out, you know, in your in your ship, or you can just blow up the ship. That character is never going to exist in your game because you just blew them up. And so, like, they were talking about this sort of dynamic storytelling and the fact that every day after we play the game, you're going to come together and be like, oh, I this happened to me. Like, oh, this never happened to me because of what I did earlier. And, mm-hmm. and everything on paper sounds incredible, but it just seems like such a departure from what Beyond Good and Evil 1 was. Like, not in a bad way, but just yeah. in a... Oh, like incredibly, impossibly ambitious way. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I like yeah. that if if Beyond Good Evil One is inspired by Zelda, that this is more inspired by like Breath of the Wild. I mean, kind <laughs> of. Like, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I don't know. I I look back at if we are starting to think about like this generation sunsetting. Like when when I think about like yeah, Breath of the Wild and Witcher and and some of that stuff. Like those, if you if you were a PS2 gamer, 
and heard them describing The Witcher, you'd be like, well, that's impossible. Like, yeah. there's no way that's going to work. And so, like, I don't think whether it's just the swan song of this gen or, like, more of a, like, ambitious next-gen thing, like, I, I feel like they're on the right track to what I want mm-hmm. games to become, you know? But I just don't know if they can do it. Like, yeah. I, like I, I'm jaded and cynical to the point where, like, when I see something like this, I've trained myself to not get too excited because I'm but, like, you have to I deliver al- on it. I yeah. almost want... I still want people like Michelle Nassel and Kojima and Sean Murray to keep striving to hit there. Yeah. yeah. And like even I would take I would so gladly take a Nomad Sky than something that's sort of just safe and boring. Yeah. I yeah. agree. I, th- I think that like the promise of of next gen always has to mean something. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And this time around for this gen, I think that's been kind of hard to quantify. Mm-hmm. Like I don't really know what this this gen stood for um because it hasn't been a like universal um lack of loading screens yeah. we've still seen those there's still been games with you know really bad loading screens it's it hasn't been you know uh 60 frames per second 1080p or whatever the 4k across the board yeah. that hasn't there's no standards with any of that stuff so it's not like the 16 bit 32 bit 64 bit you know where you could sort of quantify all that yeah. um this one has been like more better of the yeah. stuff you used to have. Yeah. So I think getting to a point, like getting to a point where we say like, we're going to get rid of loading times entirely. Or we're going to have seamless open worlds. Cause we mentioned breath of the wild, but even that you can walk from end to end of that map and see dynamic things happening in everyone's game. And it's all different. But the second you walk into a shrine, there's a loading screen and right. you, sh- you yeah. walk out, there's another one. Yeah. So that's where it gets tricky, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess looking back on this gen, I don't know what, what is the one game that I'm going to be like, that was the game that, and like the defining game of that generation. Cause I feel like we had Mario 64, GTA 3, um, I'd argue last generation that Assassin's Creed is almost the game that as so yeah. many games have sort of taken from what that it did. I think, it, that I think it sort of like yeah. redefined what an open world game yeah. was. I think it redefined like how people thought about combat in, yeah. a, 3D, yeah. in a 3D game. Yeah. Like. I actually I actually think that um, when I look back on the PS3 era, the and this is kind of controversial, but I think it's Journey. Yeah, like in terms of Journey is my favorite game, definitely. Well, yeah, but I I think like on an artistic level, on the fact that it was an indie game, that it was two or something, two and a half hours Mm -hmm. long, um, and that it's visually striking and different than anything else we'd seen. I think that like we've seen a lot of open world games. We've seen a lot of like since you know how many how how many decades now have we had like three D open world games? It's been a long time. But I feel like the fact. Like the fact that no one at this table disagreed with you for even a second when you said Mario sixty four GTA three, yeah. and then had a bunch yeah. of different answers for last gen. It's is weird. The I mean, like yeah. I feel like last gen, I don't. It had Arkham for combat. It had Assassins for open world stuff. It had. It did have Journey for kind of the idea of multiplayer yeah. being something more than yeah. just traditional uncharted. Well, and also the idea of exactly. putting also the idea of a tiny development team putting out something that can impact the gaming community as a whole, yeah, yeah. yeah. at large, you yeah, know? yeah, like like indies and XBLA and all that stuff. Yeah, like, I, I think. I mean, I think it's that game and Braid that put the idea of an indie game on the map. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's weird because we, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think last gen, I think there was some stuff that happened in the 360 PS3 era that was big leaps forward. I think this era feels like just modifying and iterating on that. And I, think, well, I don't know I if like destiny is the thing. Maybe, I think destiny's probably, probably destiny's, yeah. destiny's probably close. I mean, to me, it's probably breath of the wild. You know, yeah. I think in the, in the way that people talk about Mario 64 and the way that people talk about, uh, GTA 3, I think in five or ten years, people are going to look yeah. at the open world 
like the the open world experience that you have in Breath of the Wild and how completely different it is from yeah. well, most it's, other yeah. open it fulfilled world the promise. Like, I mean, yeah, that's it's what we were just talking about. Where I can't even count. Like I've been in this industry not that long, but like since 2011 when I was actively like taking appointments and stuff, and I can't even count the number of times during a press conference or in a demo when they said, you see that in the distance, you can go to that. And it was kind of BS. Like technically you could, but you had to like go through a bunch of loading screens and then like you were in like a pre-cut version of that. Like I feel like Breath of the Wild has finally fulfilled that. Like, hey, literally anything is I think so. Yeah, Horizon Horizon came close for me this year. But see, Horizon's been hard to go back to. And Horizon's incredible and and, and prettier than Breath of the Wild in a lot of ways. Well, oh no, yeah. On a technical level, I think like Horizon is unmatched this this generation. Mm -hmm. I think like what i mean pull pull up screenshots of that game in photo mode and it's like it's 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 unreal you know so i don't know like that was a very long way of saying that like i i do wonder when we get that like the super nintendo to n64 leap yeah no one would argue was like unbelievably dramatic like i i hope we get a leap like that yeah but to your point about about breath of the wild in a tech demo that says like hey see this point in the horizon you can go there i feel like watching Michelle yeah, Ansel's exactly. tech demo in a world post Breath of the Wild is like, oh, this is something that's maybe plausible now. Yeah, sure. uh, in the, on a grander, like more technologically advanced level, because that game looks insane. Yeah. And how good would that feel if, like, of everyone, he's the guy who finally delivered? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. And he, he has the backing of Ubisoft behind him, which yeah. is sort of unlimited resources. And unlimited resources and the best. Like, I think Ubisoft more than literally any other company does such a good job of embracing new hardware. Yeah. yeah. They're always there at launch for better or worse. Mm-hmm. And I, I respect that. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the next topic, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, Tomatoes? Well, What's yes, up? Are they in yeah, season? Are yeah. they out of season? No, I just wanted to touch a little bit on, on Ubisoft's uh, press conference this year yeah. uh, com- compared to most other developers' press conferences yeah. this year. Mm-hmm. I feel like they had the most human conference. Yeah. And, like, Michelle Ansel coming out and announcing this game at the end and, like, tearing up on stage or that... Or the rabbit guy. The, the, yeah, yeah the Ubisoft the man. Guy, yeah. yeah, like... Don't cry, thought, Ubisoft man. I thought it was really interesting that in an age where... Uh, Essentially, Microsoft, PlayStation, Nintendo, uh, Bioware, or Bioware, sorry, Bethesda. Yeah. They all came out and they were like, and here are our games. Roll the tape. Yeah. Ubisoft created an event. And like in a year that it was a fan-driven event, or not a fan-driven event, but the first year that it was public for fans, Ubisoft created a press conference that was like for us and for the general public. And and for the devs. Like that's the thing. Like I love Aisha Tyler, but dropping Aisha Tyler and letting devs talk made such a difference. And I think... The best part of EA's conference was when everybody shut up and Joseph Ferris came out and was so excited about his game in the same way the guy who did Unravel was excited a few years ago. Like, when you put a passionate person on stage, it's authentic, Mm -hmm. and that plays a lot better than a hired host who is great and funny and whatever, but, like, it's it's a different kind of energy. I agree, and it's it's harder to make fun of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you get a lot of snark during uh, the press conferences. Mm -hmm. Um, I noticed Sony during E3 was tweeting out, um, like, pictures just fi- big face pictures of the of the developers working on stuff yeah i thought that was, and really I was cool. like that's really awesome yeah. like, which is funny because in the infancy of video games mm-hmm. in general when when the ataris and the nintendos of the world were out like marketing their games they originally wanted to put developers out in front of the public and say right. like, like hey here's the people that are making these experiences that you love but nobody cared yeah. nobody cared about who was behind those games and now i feel like it's sort of come full, full circle where you can have a conversation about the people that are creating these mm-hmm. games and say like yeah i remember that guy got on stage and pitched his game in a way that made me care about right it. i mean yeah. there was an era there where you only knew the names of like 
seven or eight developers. It was like Miyamoto, Will Wright, and a couple other people. You yeah. saw like Sid Meier and stuff like that. Uh, that kind of trickled away. And then we got the PlayStation era where you got like guys like David Jaffe. And you're yeah. like, this is this, why am I hearing about this guy? Oh, because he's outspoken and his yeah. games are sort Flip of Blizzard abrasive. Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. thing, right? Yeah. But um, I mean, and then like, now you have like your Jonathan Blows and stuff like that. So not necessarily I think household Sony, name. I think Sony's done a really good job at that of like when we see games behind closed doors at E3, a lot of times it's Corey Barlog uh, yep. showing God of Ryan War. Ryan Intahar showing yeah. Spider-Man. David Cage showing. I mean, and that's the funny thing is I think for the hardcore that's getting better and better. I remember like not even that long ago, they asked like people who had a thousand hours in Call of Duty who makes the game. And no one knew. Like, yeah. no one even knew Activision, let alone Infinity Ward and right. Treyarch yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And, like, I would be curious to see if any of that has changed. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like now there's just so much more visibility on that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I mean, they're on the second Star Wars game, right, uh, uh, with Battlefront in the title, besides the, the, the second of the reboot, right? And we already know the people writing it. One, it helps one of them is our friend. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the fact that we're like, Who made oh. Battlefront 2? Mitch yeah. Dyer. <laughs> but, like, I couldn't tell you who wrote the last five Call of Duty games, and I'm sure they're competent and, you know, at times excellent writers. Oh, don't worry. But it was, uh, they hired a bunch of big names that, like... Um, Isn't the guy who wrote, wrote Traffic write one of them? Yeah. Uh, well, and also, what's his name from... Stephen Dagan wrote one? Yep. And then, uh, what's his name from Crash? Uh, Brendan Fraser? Yeah, Brendan Fraser wrote, wrote one of them. Ludacris, yeah. Chris Bridges. Uh-huh. Other games coming out this fall include Bethesda titles like The Evil Within 2 and Wolfenstein yep. 2. Very excited uh, for these. Dude, I am so stoked for Wolfenstein 2. That Wolfenstein yep. 2 uh, a demo trailer Showcase. short film yeah. Yeah. was completely bonkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I really loved the way that they did this whole like retro sh- like short film mm-hmm. leading into the actual game itself. Yeah. I mean, that was and the only part of Bethesda's conference that worked for me. Yeah. 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 I, missed, I, I missed Wolfenstein uh, New Order when it came out and uh, PSN had this huge E3 sale where Wolfenstein was 10 bucks and I picked it up and that game is awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Game is so great. I'm completely sold on yeah. the second yeah. one. Yeah. Same. Um, yeah. You should play the DLC too. Yeah, yeah. That's what I hear. Let's go zombies. Nazi yeah. zombies. Uh, and then I, I really like the first Evil Within. Me too. Um, I just also like big, slick, style horror games. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can't go wrong with Shinji Bukami. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought this well, the trailer, trailer was, was a little like, like so, yeah. they, they haven't said that he's actually. He's executively producing it. He's an executive producer on the game. Ooh. So when he was on, when uh, Pete Hines was on our showcase for Evil Within 2, I believe his quote was, Shinji's hands are all over this game. Oh, good. Yeah. So just getting just right in. Just, just making the hamburgers. That sounds disgusting, but that's yeah. exactly what I want. I want this to be disgusting. Yeah. You, ever, you ever get in there and make the hamburgers? I mean, I, there, if there was a level in the new game where you had to get in there and make the hamburgers, that would be totally on brand for this franchise. Just get right in there and make those hamburgers. I'm like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the last game was was disgusting and i yeah. loved it for that you know just like so like uh, for lack of a better term visceral yeah you know what i mean yeah. yeah yeah when i uh when i first came back to ign uh i came back like mid-bay and then we went to e3 right after and you and i were walking around the floor the and they had uh oh my god they had an fun. evil within booth it, like at the front of bethesda's booth there was evil within and it was just like a little section but like the welcome desk is like right in the middle and maybe three feet from it there's like this brain it was a <laughs> screaming brain covered in barbed wire and they put it in this like dark little like corner area with this strep- red and black strobe light over it, red and white and it was just like Da-da-da-da-da. and you just heard screaming and like thunder and, and like, like yelling pause. and we walked up to get an appointment to check out Bethesda stuff and there was this lady standing at the booth and it was just like 
And we're like, hey, uh, we're here for our 2.30. And she's like, I'm sorry. I can't hear you. I'm going crazy from that screaming chainsaw brain that has been next to me for four days now. And we're like, oh, really? Terrible. Sorry. Well, there's a, a similar story happened. I don't know if we ever told this on the show, but um, when they when a way forward made that DuckTales oh, yeah. reboot. Yeah. Where, uh, <laughs> we have the Greg, bump, Greg bump, Savage. Yeah, bump, Greg bump, Savage bump, was bump, showing bump, off Transistor. Yeah. And like he just had to listen to the DuckTales theme. I was like, how's your E3 going? He's like, I've been listening to this for four days. Like game has music too. Really, though, it's E3 like is a magical, indescribable place, and you should definitely go someday. It's like when Gearbox licensed the first like forty seconds to that Alt J song for uh, oh, right. uh, Battleborn. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was uh, in her booth, I heard that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all worth it, though. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, some other games that were huge, like full disclosure, I used to work for Gearbox. Yeah. Okay. We know yeah. that. <laughs> Did you know uh, Justin's a dad? <laughs> uh, one of the other big games, which sort of came out of left field, but then did killer numbers for us, was uh, Dragon Ball Fighters yeah. with a Z. Fighter Z. Uh, which it's one of those things where it's like it doesn't matter if you like Dragon Ball or if you like fighting games. Seeing this game in motion is like one of the most incredible things ever. It yeah. just looks like you're watching the cartoon. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, it, in the same way that South Park did that, where yeah. it was yeah. like, oh, like this feels perfect. Like this is that. This yeah. feels so authentic. Right, which is like kind of amazing because it's such a. Gr- I mean, despite, despite the fact that it's like almost 20 years before South Park, it's it's such an incredible technical feat mm-hmm. yeah. to be like, we made that cartoon look like that cartoon. There were that quote we heard thrown around during the PS3 era of, I forget it was Microsoft or Sony, but they're like, oh, you'll you'll believe toy when you when you see Toy Story graphics. Yeah. It's like we never actually got those. Yeah. You know? In some ways we did because the original Toy Story doesn't look as great as you remember it looking. Yep. But this game looks like a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Like they nailed the aesthetic. Yeah, and um, it, it has the the pedigree behind it of it's the the Blaz Blue and the Persona mm-hmm. Guilty Gear. In the yeah. Persona team, right? Mm-hmm. Persona 4? The first one? Yeah, not Persona 4 the game, the Persona oh, Fight. Uh, Persona of Arena. Fighting no, All Night. I, so I believe Fighting Ult- All Night. <laughs> I think Ultimax is an internal team. I'm not sure about okay. Arena. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, it looks cool and it also like it seems like it almost took some of the wind out of Marvel vs. Capcom sales. Because I think yeah. even like hardcore it, yeah. fighting fans were like, "Oh, man, this of is yeah. the thing." Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. yeah I, I saw a lot of people talking about how uh, fighters definitely trumped uh, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom yeah. in terms of like best fighting game at E3. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, honestly, that Absolver yeah. and this and like it, there's so many there's so many games doing something really interesting that I don't know that Marvel is doing well, yet. That's the question that I have though. Is I mean. Yeah, the game looks amazing. It looks just like Dragon Ball Z. Uh, what interesting things is it doing behind the scenes? Like mechanically, like I'm not a fighting game guy. I couldn't yeah. look at it and be like, whoa, that's crazy what they're doing. And so but- we brought in Destin Laguerre. No, he's not here. <laughs> No, Max, Max did an interview with uh, the team behind uh, Dragon Ball Fighters at E3 that if you're interested in this game, you should look up because Max is a huge Dragon Ball fan and had a ton of great questions about it. Um, if he was here, I'm sure he would just go nuts on this. Why'd you get the piccolo but, yeah. so green? Yeah. That was my question. I think it's be- it, like in terms of uh, not being a, a legal minefield like the Marvel vs. Capcom situation is, it's pretty nice. Like they're not like, oh, Trunks is a Netflix TV show exclusive or like <laughs> Fox owns Piccolo. <laughs> well, that was Brian Altano's Dragon Ball Z. Knowledge. There we go. <laughs> yep. uh, and then the last game from E3 I want to talk about was uh, just the short uh, little snippet we got of, Final F- or of uh, excuse me, uh, Shadow of the Colossus remake. Yeah. 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 So uh, this was... Probably the biggest surprise of, of I think their of the Sony conference. Yeah, yeah. Of, 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 of their they, conference. They renewed the copyright, or they renewed. That happens the, like all the time. No, but that was the thing. But like, they did it like the day before, li- right? It was oh, that really? day. It was yeah. that morning. Doing your they, homework on the bus. Literally yeah. that morning, they they did trademarks for the Inpatient and this. A lot yeah. of the playlink and Monster stuff. Hunter World yeah. and something else, and a lot of the playlink stuff. And it was crazy because 
all of those came true. Like that was this year was not very leaky for E3 compared to previous years. Um, so, except those rabbits. Yeah. Except for those rabbits. Yeah. The, and the Assassin's I mean, Creed. Yeah. yeah. Everything okay, for everyone but Ubisoft. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like it was crazy because I, I think like I, I totally even seeing them do the Shadow of the Colossus trademark, even when everything else had already proven to be true, I still didn't expect a remake like this. Yeah, no. Seriously. Maybe at, at, at most, I think I would have expected them to do like a take the HD remaster of the Eco games, of Eco and Shadow and put them with Last Guardian on a PS4 or something yeah, as like a collection. I'm really interested in this one. I I mean, I I think uh, you you you're probably you're, Zach, you're one of the biggest fans of that game here. Yeah, right? it's, yeah. it's, it's a perfect five. game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's mean, a perfect game minus it's, camera it's and the stuff perfect, like that. It's a perfect game in spite of itself. Yes, right? exactly. Like, yeah. exactly. And, and so, so it's not perfect, but yeah. I think yeah. the point so, is it's a perfect concept. And my my sort of like, I mean, to go just like to to vomit out everything I'm thinking about this game is that I... Just I'm, get in there and make the hamburgers. Just really make the hamburgers with the puke. You look like you're making the hamburger. Yeah, I'm making the hamburger right there just i'm making little patties what are you doing with your hands today you're very handy (laughs) shake my hand again okay (laughs) good good deal guys good work uh no uh so i played the last guardian i finished it and i liked a lot of it again in spite of itself i think a lot of the technical stuff held that game back um i'm not i'm still not convinced that the team behind that game is able to make what we perceive to be a modern 3D well, that's don't worry because does the team behind that game exist anymore? Yeah, like, and that's, that's the thing. That's a, well, then who? Yeah, well then that's who's? A, that's the smart thing about handing it off to a company like Bluepoint, right? mm. because Bluepoint has done a bunch of these HD remakes and remasters, and like Bluepoint can go in, they can reskin the whole game and yeah. make it look beautiful, but they can also go in and say, okay, this is how grip works now. Yeah. this is how jumping works now. This is how, this the, is camera how the camera work works when, now. When but you climb yeah. but so here is the thing though: like if you change too much of that, like fundamentally, are you going to anger the fan base around the original? Because if think that's the case, the fan they should get over it because those parts of the game are bad. But, but <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. We have part of that fan base. Yeah, That's why I'm, it's so no, frustrating. Like not having gotten Final Fantasy VII remake yet. Like we for these really true ground up remakes. Like we haven't gotten to see if it works yet. And, yeah. and so well, like who's to say that this is that though. You know, like it could very well just be a fresh coat of paint. But I think we're there's sort of, no way that looked way too dramatic. Yeah. I, I, and plus, like I'm I'm curious. Like the Japan Studio logo comes up, mm-hmm. and then the Blue Point logo. So it's like I don't know if that's kind of a nod to the original team or if there is still active development yeah. happening at Japan Studio like Blue Point obviously is incredible at textures and at art and at making things look modern so yeah. it's like maybe Japan Studio is reworking mechanics while Blue Point is, is working on kind of the aesthetics like sure. we, we don't really know that breakdown yet I mean I don't want this game to have a camera that resembles anything like the one we had in the last Guardian and again like I you can go back and listen I really liked a lot of that game yeah. I'm so glad I played it I think about it probably once a week it just pops in my head something yeah. there's something like like intangibly magical about that game like that i will stay with me forever but on a technical level like moving that character around was cumbersome moving that camera around was cumbersome i know there's a lot of apologists there's a lot of people there like you're wrong they just took us you know raked us over the coals over that conversation but the reality is and that's something i think 90 percent of the of the people who played it and uh people who reviewed it agree with is that that is kind of a a difficult game to actually play. It is yeah. almost constantly pushing back on you. I mean, that's, and Shadow of the Colossus yeah, has the same, same exact issues. Yeah. Yep. So I don't want to see that game drop in 2018 with a fresh coat of paint and then just have the same problems because we know it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. I, that's that's in, that's inherent, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, Last Guardian was beautiful. We so. have these sort of pie in the sky kind of ideas about it. Like, yes, they will go in and tune up the mechanics and maybe add stuff that was scrapped from the original yeah. game or something like that. But I think inherently Shadow of the Colossus is a little easier to rectify that stuff with because Last Guardian, you have to deal with 
a giant on-screen partner yeah. in these like small spaces. Mm-hmm. I think had there been more open areas in the Last Guardian, that it wouldn't it wouldn't have been a, a huge as huge an issue because like there's stuff like the uh, mirror maze in the Last Guardian where you're climbing up all those different yeah, mirror spaces. Yeah. Like that's amazing. Like that's yeah. one of the best moments in video games from last year. Yeah, yeah, but. And- it's countered by four or five corridors where you have to get that bird dog to follow you. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, yeah. Okay. Totally. You're right. You're and totally right. That's the thing about Shadow is like the the moments in that game, and I haven't played it since PS2. I didn't even play the HD collection, but it's just like the the moments in that game are like some of my most like epic memory. Like like pre God of War, pre whatever, like that is what I think of when I think of like crazy, gigantic, like yeah. just the moments where I was like, oh my God, like I did that. Can't and it's like PS2 could do that. Yeah. If yeah. they can capture that, but also have it look beautiful and have a run better. at a steady mm-hmm. frame rate. Yeah. Yeah. Have the draw distance not be. Can, yeah. Can you also, can you also imagine just the upgrade in sense of scale? Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously. Like those, those monsters were huge to begin with. And like, think of every enemy that you take on in that game as large as the last enemy in that game yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like show me that first boss but yep. on a scale on a playstation 4 scale that's yep. like the size of that lasting uh, yeah i just nuts. i love that though again though that's like you're getting into like george lucas special edition territory where you're like fundamentally changing yeah but if you're not if you're not venturing into that that territory in this game then like why bother because we've already got it on playstation 2 right we've got the hd remake on playstation 3 yep. you yep. can stream it from uh on play- ps now, now. On that's PS right. now. Yeah. you know yeah. so i mean it's like if you want that experience it's readily available for you this is a good this yeah, yeah this is sort either. of a, a it is a special edition mm-hmm. yeah, it's not gonna be like star wars where it's like actively difficult to get the original oh, where it replaces the original yeah. 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 yeah okay yeah, yeah. I, I could see that then I'm, I'm with you then then bring on the changes like uh i'm I, I, it's, I'm, I'm like Goldfarb. I'm like the rest of you. I can't look at a screenshot of that game without getting just crazy nostalgia. Well, yeah, look yeah. at the, look at the reaction in our world. Yeah, it was insane. People were bugging out. Like that it was, was nuts. Like the music started the up and people were like, no way. Yep. Yeah. And then when we saw the, like the opening shots, it was like, holy cow. I can't yeah. believe this is a real thing. I yeah. think that and the Cuphead release date were like the biggest yeah. Like, yeah. explosions. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because it, what I would love to see them do, I really like the like Master Chief Collection thing of like switching back and forth. Totally wouldn't work in this case, obviously, but I would love if they, like, I don't know, bun- throw in, like, the PS2 on PS4 original or play the original version with trophies yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think that would be a really cool, like, yeah. pre-order bonus or yeah. something yeah. like yeah. that. So, uh, Tony Shade from the Podcast Beyond group asks, is the Shadow of the Colossus remaster slash remake worth a $60 price tag? I think so. I think, ju- yeah, strictly for the reasons that we outlined above. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. In the I'd same gladly that- pay 60 bucks for it again to play to experience it in a uh, upgraded, like, completely different way. Yeah. So. If it's the same camera and the same everything and they just put a fresh coat of paint on it, no. no. Yeah. If it's a ground-up remake and it looks, and like, it looks like it yeah. is, yeah. then yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, as of right now, yes. Like, obviously, I will wait and see closer release even, to what Even if it was just a fresh coat of paint, I'd probably still pay 20 bucks yeah. for it. I mean, yeah. Looks like. I mean, it's it's tough to say, right? Because, I mean, I, I look at stuff like Lego City Undercover got re-released for 60 bucks and they, they barely did a thing for that, you you know, like there, yep. we, or like, you, but then there's like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I totally don't mind paying full price for it. Yeah. Add so much. Extra right, stuff. right, right. Yeah. It's, it's tough, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's, I mean, a, nothing, a game is worth what you'll pay for it. So, but I think you'll see people actively push back against something like the Modern Warfare remaster, yeah. Yeah. which got priced for $40. And there was a lot of feedback about that. Yeah. People were yeah. not happy about that. They're also selling DLC on top of it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of sketchy, but yeah. 
Yeah, money's always a worth thing. Yeah. Uh, so that was everything that was at E3. Uh, really quick, I want to just go through a list of notable games that weren't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Death Stranding, which we knew wasn't going to be there. Right. Yeah, uh, there was a merchandise booth there, which is weird. Yeah, and like Kojima was and there. Kojima he was had there. his uh, talk with the, the Kong director. Yep, and Lower Roar played, and there was a Luton yep. statue. It was basically mm-hmm. everything but the game was there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which, yeah, I, again. I, I mean, was. honestly, finally. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Right? <laughs> I agree. Just, Take some time of yeah. development. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Red Dead 2 wasn't there, which uh, after the delay in May, I don't think that was a huge surprise. I even wonder, it's so, I'm so used to Rockstar skipping E3, like some part of me, even if it was still on track for fall, wouldn't have been that surprised if they yeah. skipped it and Shut done an event know. in early August. It's totally going to be a thing. We're going to come into work someday and they're going to be like, hey, tomorrow they're over streaming gameplay. It's like, exactly. Oh, well, Rockstar is, yeah, I mean, Rockstar is one of the few developers that doesn't need E3, doesn't yep. need that audience yeah, to we'll, sell their games. So. We'll, we'll get like three screenshots of like a hawk and a gun this fall yeah. and you'll be, you'll love it. A hawk gun? Sign me up. <laughs> to shoot other hawks? Because that's weird. <laughs> no, it shoots hawks out. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that was what the yeah. game Hawking was about. I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah. And Tony Hawk. Yeah, Tony. And that uh, that other game Hawks. Yeah. The next. Yeah. yeah. No, I was, was like, a, you guys haven't played any of those games. No. <laughs> <laughs> Keep uh, also, we talked last week, uh, Last of Us Part Two, obviously, sort of notably missing. I think part of that is just they want to focus on Lost Legacy. I really like that. Um, that that quote about that about how like they just wanted to focus on the Uncharted characters. Yeah. And, like, and you'll see Joel and Ellie. Some, you know, the quote I, that Marty I, just said. That'll be PSX. No. Yeah, he quoted a great mind. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they they didn't focus PSX on Lost Legacy and then reveal The Last of Us to yeah. E3 as their and one more thing. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a little I think surprised. Still, I think it's still too early. Like I think this was when you needed to focus on Uncharted because, like you were saying earlier, like that's their fall. Like yeah. and I mean, like they do have Knack, they do have Golf, they do have maybe GT and everything else and and all the third party stuff. But like Uncharted's their big bet for yeah. fall. Yeah, and I in our audience in the comments leading up to E3. It was The Last of Us, Last of Us, Last of Us. Right. People yeah. wanted to see that game, and I think that they were kind of surprised that it wasn't I think there. they're trying to position PSX as a bigger bigger and bigger thing. I think sure. that's when we're going to get gameplay footage. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, then Uncharted's out. Uncharted's yeah. out. Yeah, yeah I, think we're gonna, I think this PSX is going to be the biggest one. So yeah, and I still think we won't get a release date for Last of Us 2. No, I don't think no. so. I think it's a, I think it's a 2019 I mean, game. I was going to say maybe a window. I think it's 2019. Yeah. 2019. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. Uh, Wild wasn't there, which was the Michelle Ansel. Right. <laughs> he clearly, he clearly had his hands busy with yeah. something else. He was making hamburgers oh, elsewhere. Yeah, he's yeah. making those French burgers. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really funny that it's like he's off, he's off making this like ambitious pitch for a semi-sequel prequel to a game. And it's like, hey, dude, what about that other thing you're working on? <laughs> right. Like you got this whole other ambitious yeah. world you're working on. Also, hey, uh, whatever happened with old snake tits over there? I forgot about that game. I'm also so, I'm weirded out by like so that Wild was a separate studio that he started, but yeah. like I'm curious what Ubisoft Montpellier is doing other than Beyond Good and Evil. Like they is there another Rayman game or are there any more UB art games? What's like, more Rayman games? Yeah, I hope there's yeah. another Rayman yeah. game. Yeah. Well it's a Ubisoft game, so you'll find out sooner than later before they're ready to tell you. <laughs> yeah. some, some doodle snitch It'll on the train. Gaff tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't got to that chapter of Shrier's book yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Uh yeah. I Again, like we mentioned, Death Stranding and Beyond Good and Evil. I think this is a next gen game. Did we talk about the leak? The leak stuff before that was really cool. About they tried to handle that. Hackers tried to ransom them out of yeah. 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 I loved the stance that they took on that. Like, good for those guys for being like, yeah, okay, go ahead and leak it. Like Mm -hmm. that stuff's old and we don't care about it. What's what's the quick rundown on that, Goldie? Uh, Basically, someone. I, I don't know if they hacked it or stole something physically, but documents they basically yeah. found a bunch of like yeah, like old assets in that game and were trying to ransom them. And CD Projekt was like whatever and and rather than negotiate with terrorists they put out a statement that was like hey 
we're being held, you know, ransom for, or, or our files are being held ransom. We're not going to pay it. This guy might leak them. If you see that, it's not reflective of the game. Like, thank you for waiting for what yeah. we actually released. Well, and more importantly, they said, yeah, more importantly, they said, if you want to know anything about Cyberpunk, it's going to come from us. Like, yeah. don't listen yeah. to these yeah. guys over here. Yeah. Which I think is such a, like, I would have loved to have seen that dude's, or lady dude's face when they read that statement that was like, well, okay, this totally blew up. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, it's, the burgers. it's cool because, uh, sorry, I'm going to plug Shard's book again, but uh, the, the, <laughs> the CD Projekt chapter and kind of where they come from and what they stand for makes that make more sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're a really fascinating studio. Yeah. Uh, Deep Down, which I think it's safe to assume doesn't exist it anymore. can't exist. Yeah, that's... Well, I mean, I was... That was the Capcom. I was about mm-hmm. to say it was revealed too long ago to still be a game, but then Dreams was revealed at literally the same event. So, I don't know. But, yeah, for anyone who doesn't remember... Uh, Deep Down was revealed alongside the PlayStation 4 in February 2013. This is that Capcom dungeon crawler, right? Yeah. Dungeon crawler so that Dark Souls. Souls. Yeah. Incredibly totally quiet for about a year, yeah. and then it was at TGS, and, and you it. and Keza played it, and it, it was became incomprehensible because I played it in yeah. Japanese. And then after you played it, they were like, by the way, it'll be free to play, and then it just dried up, and we haven't heard anything in, huh. what, three wow. years? Yeah. yeah. It had, it had such an incredibly gorgeous, haunting reveal trailer. Yep. And I, I, it's one of those things where when we get it, we'll get it. I keep expecting it'll be a TGS, but this is probably going to go scale-bound and just, just yeah. quietly. I, I think it's away. probably been dead for multiple Quite a while. Really? Uh, well, why don't they just straight up say that? Because Capcom doesn't really do that. Like, I think other companies are more open about that, but Capcom, I don't think... I think they would rather just let it die. Was that game Capcom? Dead Phoenix part of the Capcom? Oh, yeah, yeah. Capcom, Capcom also likes to do the same kind of things that Nintendo likes to do, in that they'll keep something in their back pocket, and five or six years down the line, they'll be like, "Hey, by the way, that game is gone, but we actually took assets of that or, or took pieces it's of that, and now this it's other this thing. now." Yeah. Right? I think that's probably what they're waiting yeah. for. Yeah, deep they, down they adventures and dinosaur planet. <laughs> I think they're. I think they're waiting for. <laughs> you guys gonna laugh when I say this? I think they're waiting for the butt. I think they're they're waiting to be able to say, "Hey, well, who the hell is it?" Yeah. <laughs> I think they're just waiting to be able to, they're waiting to be able to say, hey, deep down is dead, but we have this instead. I, oh, you're waiting okay. for, you guys are going to laugh at me when I say the butt, but I'm just going to say it anyways. I heard uh, Goldfarb likes to go deep down in the butt. Oh, God. Where's their handshake now, you little elf? <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Uh, you also mentioned Dreams there, the Media <laughs> Molecule game. Uh, I really hope we see that. I really hope that isn't. Uh, yeah, I, we talked about it a little bit last week. Um, I don't know. I, I I want them, like, the promise they made was that before they did anything with it, there would be betas, there would be content. Like, I don't know. I think we'll see more. We will see trickles before we see it. Yep. <laughs> Deep down in the butt trickles. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which, uh, you know, we got a little bit of Kingdom Hearts right beforehand. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, it sounds like there was some squares bringing this game internal. Sounds like they're like, it'll come up for 2020. Which, yeah, exactly. Like, them bringing that game internal extends that timeline. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. honestly, so far more south, than anything but... else, Nomura directing it extends that timeline. Yeah, so far, yeah. I mean, like, does he finish Kingdom Hearts and then start on Is this? Is it still episodic? Is it still three parts? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that yeah. when they reveal it, which I'm guessing is TGS, when they reveal whatever's the next thing, they have to give some kind of scope. And like like Max was saying, a playable demo or just something. Just yeah. something to be like, hey, this is real. Also, here's my theory, is that by the time this comes off, uh, Tabata directs this game. I, They're yeah, going to bring him in and be like, yeah. you need to okay. finish They're, this. Well, actually, closer, if I remember yeah. right, yeah. it's actually not Nomura directing. I, I lied. It's the uh, Mobius guy, right? Right. I think oh, he took over. Right. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. must have been some sort of, sort of like internal survey at Square a couple of years ago where a bunch of Square fans were like, Yes, take your time and show us everything 10 years in advance, and we are perfectly okay with it. Because this, this doesn't really fly with, like, a lot of other companies, yeah. Yeah. but with them, uh, 
Like I, I think people are just okay with it. Yeah. Like I mean, they they know to expect it when they get it, and when they when they do, it'll be incredibly high quality. Yeah. But I I think they showed their hand too early with this one. But um, we'll see how it pans yeah. out. I agree. Yeah, that's going in a nutshell. Um, Shenmue three. Obviously shown at that exact same. Uh, and they, yeah, they said yeah. ahead, they said ahead time like mm-hmm. hey we're not ready to show anything but yeah I mean again come on guys like what, yeah. what's going that's on that's a game thing? that's a game that's a logo you know what I mean yeah, yeah. yeah. who knows what I what's think going on behind that one's a little different because they they had to say we're doing this yeah please help us please sure. fund this yeah yeah um yeah it's 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 a weird one we yeah. haven't really seen we haven't really God, seen little yeah. stuff have you ever played either of the first Shenmue yeah. games yeah okay. I was gonna say, if not, you and I should do a let's play. Together. I would love to do a let's play. With hey, you. Rio! They're weird, weird so games um, that people completely love. I, I, I love them. I, under, yeah. I, I totally. I'm, I'm not as crazy about them as some people are. I totally understand why they're so beloved, though, because yeah. there's some really wonderful stuff. I mean, just like, just as like a guy walking around like playing with capsule toy machines is, yeah. is enough for me to be like, yeah. that's cool. I'm into yeah, that. I'm looking for some sailors. <laughs> uh, the last movie on her Dead Island too. We saw that trailer in 2014. Like that's then that yep. switched hands a couple times too. Label like, that Gamescom, and that's one of those things where like I feel like they missed their window. Like yeah. it, it, like Dead Island One had like the greatest reveal trailer ever, and then I think a lot of people liked it, but it wasn't quite what I think was promised. And then they did Riptide, and like they kept the brand alive. And like 2014 felt like great timing for a sequel, but now it's like okay, so let's say best case scenario, out of nowhere they surprise us. It's a Gamescom. It's out this fall. Who wants a well, it's not beloved. Sequel. It's not beloved enough a franchise to warrant that kind of reaction. Exactly. Right? Well, it's not I, like God of War taking 10 years off and then coming back with this huge like reimagining. It's like, well, here's a sequel to a game that a lot of people liked. Yep. Yeah, but that's but, already been improved upon. Right. And yes, like, but who do you voodoo, bitch? <laughs> remember that one? I uh, think it's such a weird... No. It, it's a weird really? thought for you like... You remember that? Yeah, that was like their whole thing. It's a weird spot if you're a Deep Silver because I'm sure they put a lot of money into it and their other big cash cow is Agents of Mayhem, which is not Saints Row. Like, it's it's a risk for them in different ways. And, like, they're one of those publishers that, like, is really big but I semi-forget about. And mm-hmm. so I don't know... I'm fascinated to see when they reveal this game how they make people care. Yeah. Well, we saw the remake, remaster, whatever it was last year, collection come out with um, some extra some extra yeah. goodies. Yep. Uh, I don't think that thing moved the needle at all, and yeah, I don't I think um, it, it wasn't. It was definitely not the brand resurgence they probably had hoped yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, what was the like free running zombie game from a couple? Dying of years? Light. Dying yeah. Light. Yeah. So to me, like that's that's the one. I think that completely stole that conversation. Yeah. Yep. I think if they announced a, like a full on sequel to that game, uh, yeah. it would. You, it I mean, you could. Land. Yeah, and didn't yeah. Techland make the first Dead Island also? Ooh, yeah, it was post developed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, full circle. All of the yeah. techies. Dead Island Two was that the one the commercial with the the guy was running on the Santa running Monica, running yeah. Yeah. and yeah, that was E3. Beach. That was E3 2014 when they revealed Who was it. That? Was it, it Blur? That version, yeah, I'm sure that was just a Blur trailer. CG trailer. Yeah. I don't know if it was Blur specifically, but it was a CG trailer. And then that developer left the project, mm-hmm. and it, it moved to a different dev. And it's been I don't know if it's been completely radio silent, but like it's pretty much know. yeah yeah mm. yeah that's wild. Uh, so those are the biggies that uh, weren't at E3. And then, uh, as promised, you want to go over just really quick what this cross-platform nonsense is? Just if, for people don't yeah. this came out a little while ago, but we just didn't get a chance to talk about it. So at E3, this was a huge thing. Basically, uh, they Nintendo announced, well, first, Microsoft on stage announced that Minecraft is going cross-play, basically, that they're combining all the versions. Um, there was a Switch in their, in their Minecraft. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There was literally a Switch on really stage bizarre to see. at E3, which, made, which meant that Nintendo was in every single conference in some capacity other than Sony's. Um, but it was weird because the 
so that happened, and Microsoft, Nintendo, or Buddy Buddy, PC version, Xbox version, Switch version, whatever, and then Sony quietly isn't part of that. And then on Nintendo's show, they announced Rocket League with cross-platform play, and again, Microsoft is in, and then Nintendo's not part of it. And so uh, Sony's not part of it. Sony's not part of yeah. it, thank you. So Jim Ryan did an interview with E3 where he basically said... Do you want the quote? I got it for you right there. Look at that. Wow. Uh, he said, it's certainly not a profound philosophical stance we have against this. We've done it in the past. We're always open to conversations with any developer or publisher who wants to talk about it. Unfortunately, it's a commercial discussion between ourselves and other stakeholders. And I'm not going to get into the detail of that on this particular instance. And I can see your eyes rolling. We've got to be mindful of our responsibility to our install base. Minecraft, the demographic playing that, you know as well as I do, it's all ages, but it's also very young. We have a contract with the people who go online with us that we look after them and that they're within the PlayStation curated universe. Exposing what in many cases are children to external influences we have no ability to manage or look after, it's something we have to think about very carefully. Yeah, and I, I find that immensely uh, interesting because it's sound, it's like the most Nintendo quote we've ever it heard. Was, that was Phil Spencer. Like, like, yeah. Even Phil Spencer responded and he was like, like come on. Like, it, it, yeah. it seems so weird, especially to say about Nintendo, who exactly is the most family-friendly company of all. So I don't know. Like, I think, look, like the thing that bothers me about this overall is that the person who loses is the consumer. Yeah. Because ultimately, like, from a business perspective, yeah, like, I totally get it. Like, I totally get why Sony would want a closed ecosystem. They're far and away in first place this generation. Like, why mess with success? Why make it so you can buy a version on Xbox and play with your friends rather than make your friends buy a PS4 version if they want to play with it's, you? It's also, he's implying that, like, their, their world is so buttoned up that a kid won't hear the F-word playing Minecraft on PS4. And it's yeah. like, no, you totally Especially will. Minecraft, yeah. you can just draw a big F-word in the sand. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I think, like, what's weird for me is that it just feels like it's it's bad will towards players. Because yeah. ultimately, yeah. like, how much money are you really going to lose sure. by just opening up your ecosystem? Like, it, it feels like, a, a, if nothing else, just a good PR. Especially game. a game like Minecraft. Yeah. And Rocket League. And Rocket League. Like, yeah. I mean, Rocket League. Two, like, two huge community-based games. Yeah. And the yeah. PS4 yeah. built Rocket League. Like, yeah. that, yeah. honestly, like, like by and having a PlayStation a, Plus yes. game, that is, like, it would have been successful anyway, and obviously it's huge on Steam, but I do think that, like, that helped push it over the edge mm-hmm. into mainstream. And so, they already have those people. Like, mm-hmm. that player base is there. Just play with it. Like, the Switch version is going to sell what, like five hundred thousand copies? Like it's not going to dig into yeah. PlayStation. I just, I don't, I don't really get that way of thinking. It feels very archaic to me. Yeah, it sucks. Like you said, it ultimately hurts the consumer. Yeah, it also blows my mind the technology behind like what's making those systems talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, I can't, like, I can't even begin when, to comprehend when that. Nintendo announced that Rocket League was coming and it was like cross-platform with everything else except Sony. Yeah, like how? I, like, get, I mean, Nintendo how? can't get online to work on their own systems. Yeah. Yep. I mean, like, without yep. you having to plug into a squid or whatever. <laughs> you think of the Splatouche? No, that's what they're doing for Splatouche. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. Anywho. Find out more on NVC. Uh, yes, there you go. Um, awesome. That was a good show. Yeah. We did good. Uh, Andrew, tell us about a cool thing that's happening this month known as June. Well, what, what little is left. Yeah, E3. We, uh, E3. E3. Our IGN First this month. I think I mentioned it a couple times in the show, but our IGN First this month is all about Japan. And uh, Caleb and I went to Japan, saw a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, Luke Riley from our Australian team, team came with us at the end and saw Gran Turismo. So um, the day we're recording this, we just put up an absolutely incredible documentary about Gran Turismo sport um, and uh, following Kaz around and, and kind of showing his daily routine and showing like why he loves cars. And it's just like 
I don't care about cars, honestly, but that documentary is so gorgeous and pretty. I highly recommend it. Um, we've had some stuff on NAC and everybody's golf. And then at the end of this week, we're going to have uh, kind of close out the month with a cool um, profile of Japan Studio. Yep. And we talked to so Shuhei. That. And we also talked to Alan Becker, who is uh, the head of Japan Studio, who yep. we had never talked to before, which is really cool. Good work, man. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, like, awesome. that's awesome. exactly the kind of stuff we should be making yeah. here. And that Gran Turismo documentary, I, I'm, again, I'm in the same boat. Like, I don't know anything about cars, but it's one of the most beautiful things we've ever put on the site. Yeah, other so than cool. Zach's face. It's true. It's a good face. Making burgers. <laughs> Get in there. Burger boy. Get into the right. burger boy. Uh, so that was it. Yeah. That was it. No, no, no time for rapid fire. I don't think it's time for rapid fire. We're already at an uh, hour. Yeah. You want to do now. one? You want to do let's one? Do one quick okay, let's do one. Uh, Brian, I'll let Brian. So the way rapid fire works oh, is that I, yeah, because Zach's on here. I wanted to ask this one because this is one is really good. We'll save the rest for next week. Okay. But uh, Jason, oh yeah. So rapid fire is a thing we do uh, usually when time permits and we don't ramble for twenty minutes about the state of the industry yep. and you know and all that. Uh, you can head on over to the podcast beyond Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond or groups.com, a website that works somehow. <laughs> uh, after that, you can ask this question every single week. I uh, ask you guys. For questions and you give me some uh just like jason sutton asks zach since you're you've been in bands and you know more about indie music than anyone i've ever met uh which band would make the best subject of a video game well they already made that game when they made the beatles rock band oh really yeah i thought um, you were was, talking about that uh, aerosmith game where you should that was CDs pretty good too revolution x yeah. yeah um yeah i mean the beatles rock band did a pretty good job of chronicling the band like from the start of of their band all the way through to the end and it had like really great visuals and stuff like that i thought it was really cool i'm not a huge rock band fan but i played the hell out of that game mm-hmm. um in terms of like what what indie bands would make a really good one? Yeah, bands, or a bands. band. Uh, so I just got um, Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is a chronicle of... Uh, the text I sent you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a book that chronicles like, down in that butt. <laughs> the early 2000s New York rock and roll scene. So like The Strokes, yeah. Interpol, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And I think that that would be really fun. Like switching between uh, different like indie bands in that era and like... Maybe trying to figure out like how you're going to wash your hair or where you're going to score coke or something. So yeah. would it be like, like a Telltale stuff? Yeah, I'm like, that part Yeah, there were a bunch of very greasy boys and girls in that era. I've yeah. wanted a game, not necessarily about a specific band, but like one of the crappy things I wrote in college was like I was trying to do like a TV show version of Almost Famous or whatever. Yeah, like following a band, I think a game about that would be awesome. Yeah. Like, so like Rock Band cool Four did game. a really cool thing where they had sort of a a you start your own band and mm-hmm. you like kind of work your way up through the you know the echelons of like oh we're playing this grimy club and then we play this like mid level club and then we're playing like stadium and you had all these different sort of branching paths that was like pretty interesting um, in terms of like a band simulator but to like tell a band story like that yeah I think it'd be really funny to do like something like that or I want another yeah. Def Jam Vendetta game so I can make the Jizza fight. Big pun. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah. There's a Wu Tang fighting game. Yeah, there's a Doctor Robotnik's Rage Against the Mean Bean Machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of great games based on. No, back in the '90s, there would have been like this would have been the action platformer. Everything would have been like like Home Alone. Yeah, two we would have like had that. like yeah, we would have had a Lord game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we never got an MC Hammer action platformer. Also, right? whatever whatever happened to that Kanye game? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, took a meeting with That's Miyamoto. Right. That's yeah. yeah. We did an interview. Uh, Jose and I did an interview with uh, Miyamoto for Star Fox. We flew to New York to talk to him about Star Fox. And uh, it was the day that Kanye had announced that game. And Miyamoto very casually turned to us and he's like, he showed me that game at E3. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I want to know what that meeting was like. That would be, oh my God, it'd be a fine I want long. a game about that meeting. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Hey, uh, also just to plug something else, I have an interview. By the time you're listening to this, there's an interview on the site with Shigeru Miyamoto that I'm very proud of. You can read it to find out if it answers that Kanye question. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. doesn't answer the Kanye <laughs> Spoilers. question. Spoilers. Hey, Shigeru Miyamoto, What's wrong famous with you? PlayStation yeah. developer. Yep. yep.
Excellent. I'm just saying. Well, Sorry, that I'm proud yeah. of something. Well, if you want to, if you want to see when that article Appreciate comes it. out, you can you can follow uh, us all on Twitter. Andrew is at Garfep. Brian is at Agent Bizzle. Zach is at Zachar ISD, and uh, I am at McBiggity. You can just two uh, T's, two T's. Yep. You can check us out on all sorts of different shows here. Uh, I do Unlocked with Alana, which is right. an Xbox show. Uh, you guys are going to be, <laughs> you guys are going to be doing more NBC. You do NBC all the time. Yeah. I yeah. feel like you guys are going to be doing gonna more. Be, NBC. Yeah, you're going to be seeing my face more on NBC. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Don't uh, don't invite me. It's fine. Invite you to? Yeah. yeah. No, you're on the, the other platform. You're on our Ooya show called Ooya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just me saying that alone every week. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then you can check out uh, all the videos we do on uh, YouTube.com/slash IGN. Awesome. Yeah. So for Brian and Andrew and Zach, my name is Marty. This was Beyond Episode 499, and we'll see you all next week. Beyond. Beyond. Take the hamburgers. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.